This is part four of the Global Peasant-Led Struggles mini-series, looking at the impacts of the climate crisis in Spain and across the world with the World Alliance of Mobile Indigenous Pastoralists. In this episode, we explore the difficulties now facing global peasant pastoralists and look at the place of animals in agriculture. We hope you enjoy. Peasant power! So we're here to talk about our struggles, our global struggles to achieve food sovereignty and to promote and uplift agroecology, agroecology as a way of life, agroecology as a solution for climate change. And we are joined by farmers and pastoralists from around the world. And I'm going to go straight into my questions. So how has the climate crisis impacted your region? And what are you doing to address it? I'm coming uh, from an organization. We have, uh, we combine cultural production and training with uh, pastoralist production and cheese making. And we uh, run also shepherd schools, um, part of the European Shepherd Network and the World Alliance of Mobile Indigenous Peoples and Pastoralists. There are also other delegates here like um, Benjamin Mutambuka from Uganda and uh, people from, from the team as well as uh, Hijaba that you already know. I think that this key question is the growing uncertainty. And uh, pastoralism is always about being able to use available resources, considering those uncertain factors of when there will be grasses or how um, available uh, pastures appear. But now the uncertainty is growing and it's, it's um, more and more um, difficult to navigate. The exhibition you see here in this room, and we are very thankful to the Land Workers Alliance for hosting, is a title uncertainty actually. And it's about nine uh, study cases from say, from north of Africa, India, uh, and Mongolia, or Sardinia in Europe, about how pastoralism deals with uncertainty. Thanks to a collaboration with scientists and uh, and the photographers, artists, and I think that the um, the in my in my region in particular, what we saw is uh, much more dry summers less uh, available pastures and much more risk of fires and uh, this is coming together with a moment in which uh, small herbivores and pastoralism in general in Europe maybe Scotland is an exception but it's less and less present and there is a much higher risk of fires because of bushes and uh, and pastures being uh, being in that in that way in that sense uh, lost and then maybe another big impact and you can also mention Mutul. but um, I think it's how the whole uh, reaction and necessary necessary action to confront the climate crisis is not distinguishing between modes of production in terms of livestock and animal husbandry so we, we made a, a report uh, together with uh, different allies that is titled uh, are livestock always bad for the planet 
we have um, their information and we will be passing you uh, the, the summary of the report because we came here to COP to also say that in this purge to just uh, mitigate climate change, we cannot just equate industrial livestock systems with uh, mobile pastoralism and we risk to uh, wipe out part of the solution believing it's part of the problem. So it's very well proved with different um, uh, scientific data that in terms of methane emissions, in terms of use of water or, or, or the problem of money or has nothing to do. And we very much would like that. The actions against the uh, industrial livestock systems and corporate agriculture no, is taken, but not at the cost of uh, making more and more difficult for pastoralists to have access to the land because of plant tree planting schemes that are not having con in consideration a traditional customary a grazing land of pastoralists or nature conservation plants that are also at the end uh, avoiding pastoralists to have the chance to access to the land, to forest and to high biodiversity areas. And you were giving yesterday Benjamin a very good example in the ma main uh, natural reserves of East Africa no? and Serengeti and other parks are pastoral land. No? And, uh, they are biode biodiverse because of that coexistence between forest, flock, wild herbivores. I think that agroecology understood from a, from a point of view of pastoralism is to do the right management with breeds that are adapted with a territorial base for production and um, and, uh, and the right practices no, on the ground. Um, and I think that we had a gathering of uh, young pastoralists and, and pastoralist peoples in, in our region in this September and we were working in two different lines that go, should go in parallel. On one hand, uh, internal support, no internal strengthening. Uh, we talked about creating a network of our mutual support to confront difficulties like uh, ideas or, or findings, or um, um, if someone got ill, that another person from another farm could go and help. So that is an important thing, like to have a more, have the feeling of that you are part of something, no? that you are just not just forgotten in a mountain with your animals and, and remotely, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, feeling disconnected. Um, and also that included creating our own uh, forms of communication, so a newsletter, and being able to express in different forms problems or visions or ideas, you know, very much inspired by a movement also within France and Italy it's called Noon Attack, a, a journal for from the mountain cultures and pastoralist cultures. And then the second part was, of course, the whole set of policies and inadequate policies we're facing, and that uh, trying to think how to influence policies regarding um, health and safety standards for artists and productions, why no, law uh, is not considering small-scale production as a key aspect for food sovereignty to be able to have small slaughterhouses mobile slaughterhouses or dairies uh, and so on. Then the right to mobility is also crucial and the possible bureaucracy and laws making very difficult to move from one region to another, to one country to another. And I'm talking more of the European context because I know it better, but in WAMIP we also see that this is a problem everywhere for the Tuareg people to move from Mali to Burkina, or we were talking also in Eastern Africa or in Iran. So yeah, they need to ensure those rights and then I think that the question of um, also, yeah, promoting these products and market channels. So it's more 
we are more possible to sell them at a smaller scale, but quality products, healthy products, uh, to 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 just yeah, um, not um, build this alliance with consumers that is not um, being influenced by the idea that every animal product is bad, no, by itself. It's just uh, there is uh, the, the need to understand better and well, just to end maybe a clear policy to facilitate access to the land for young people who are starting. This is crucial. We are looking at former commons that were abandoned or were just taken by the government to 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 reforest how they could be the possible to access to public land um, to encourage also abandoned uh, areas in rural areas to uh, offer, for example, housing, offer the, the chance to have infrastructure to make a living in the countryside. So this is what we think is crucial at this moment and think in the context of Spain with a high risk of the population. With political will, there could be even uh, tax policies and other ways to to, yeah, to, make, uh, to make sure that land is used to produce food and not just for tourism in mountain areas or recreation or on the other hand, industrial uh, livestock uh, macro farms. No, that is a big problem. We see less and less shepherd producing locally, but more and more push of big companies to have like uh, 5,000 heads of uh, pig or cattle in a, in a, in a stable, no, in an intensified industrial way. So I think it's very important no, to, to contest this idea of rewilding as a way to just remove the chance to be living from the land, in the land, producing food, because there's the dark side of rewilding is industrial corporate food. Mm -hmm.